Do you want to hear something spooky? Some monster was standing there. It reminded me of Bigfoot. In walks a tall, gray alien. One of the teenage boys started to exhibit signs of textbook demonic possession. I'm Derek Hayes, host of Monsters Among Us podcast. This pure all-white entity staring straight at me. Where there should have been eye sockets, there weren't. Monsters Among Us is an anthology of real paranormal stories told by real witnesses. I never really believed in this Loch Ness Monster nonsense, but something very snake-like lifted its head out of the water. A giant black triangle. It was so big that it blotted out the stars. And I saw what looked like a huge monster. I could see the outline of hair. New episodes of Monsters Among Us drop every Thursday. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Somehow I had lost eight whole hours. Coming up on this episode of Belief Hole. Recent studies indicate that the majority of children are communicating with someone or something that isn't quite there. We call these invisible companions imaginary friends. Logic dictates that on the whole, these are innocuous, invented beings, playmates concocted by the child as a social supplement or as creative expression. But when unexplainable things begin to happen, and little Johnny begins describing the horrid and unimaginable, might we consider that the unseen friend peeking from behind the closet is not only not imaginary, but also might not really be a friend? Conspiracy, synchronicity, Sasquatch, homunculus, alien races, Satanism in Hollywood, MK Ultra, Tartaria. There's like a whole. I've been watching this one guy. Close like, the door, in. Jury, close your door. What's the uh, inner Earth disagreements? Ghost Dad. <laughs> I like that movie. Dogman, Bohemian Grove, magicians are demons, specters, spirit summonings, strange disappearances, sky whale phenomena, yes. alternative history, shadow people. Shh, quiet. I'm trying to say words with the mouth. It's getting dicey out there. Poltergeists. That's cool. And Naki. What is the moon? <laughs> Elf towers. I would never talk about it. That's old. Y2K. Cover-ups. Apocalyptic catastrophe. Vampire. Vampire. Well, hello, hello. Hi. Hello. I'm John. I'm Chris. And I'm Jeremy. Welcome to Bleeful. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to be here. Yes. How is everybody? I'm uh, sick. Yeah, me too. I've been sick for a while. That's not what I want to hear. You're not sick, are you? Yeah. Remember when I came up for the meeting and I powered through, but I was like, I know, but you said you were better now. I am better, but I'm still sick. No, I'm sick. And now Chris is sick. It's spreading through the belief hole. I'm not going to get it. You'll be fine. But we, we pushed through. I have a robust immune system. I'm a weak person, so I received a cold. <laughs> <laughs> but we had to jump into the hole today. Anyway, regardless mm-hmm. of our feeling a little under the weather, the hole can't be stopped. That's right. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Yeah, what's today, Chris? What have you got planned for us? Today, we're going to be talking about something I think that needs to be discussed. This is something that I think has come up several times during the course of the show, especially during listener stories. And parents out there might be especially interested in this episode. Yes. Uh, the imaginary friend that might not be so imaginary. Creepy. 
What do you mean by that, Chris? Well, actually, I wrote out a little thing here because I wanted to make my point clear. So I'm going to read this for you. Please do. The imaginary friend, those sometimes plucky, sometimes frightful, and always unseen companions of children. These wayward friends once often thought to be supernatural or evil entities by superstitious and fearful folk are now thought of by most of academia and psychiatry as expressions of creativity for the imaginative or coping mechanisms for convenience. But on occasion, the uncanny characteristics of these, quote, imaginary visitors reflect very real, unknowable characteristics about the circumstances of the child's world. Could these characters, on occasion, be the genuine visions of a sensitive child? Could they be, in fact, experiencing visits from someone or something from another world, another life, or from beyond the veil? That's what we're diving into today. I would say yes. Yes, they could be. They are. And the beliefful especially. I've never, did you guys have any? You know, I was going to ask you that. Uh, I mean, I had my little man inside me that had the, the village, but... <laughs> I but, had my little man inside me. <laughs> I don't know what that Maybe means. Maybe it was that duplicate of Chris that lived inside his tummy that was the mayor of Tummy Town or whatever. They're not Tummy Town. I didn't call it Tummy Town. It was a <laughs> replica was. of our world. It was basically like a, a secret identity sort like of thing. Like Tony from The Shining? In a way, yes. But I won't, I won't retell that tale because I've told it a couple yeah. times. So if someone's no really interested, they could, they could find it. I'll leave a link to, a, to an episode we were it talking a good about. It was uh, a good little story. But no, John, I don't, I don't think... Because I asked mom today... I was like, remember that? Because I mentioned that to her just to clarify that I didn't believe that it was real, right? She's like, no, but I, I don't think you did. But for a while, I thought you might. So that's why I was concerned. Oh, well, believe that the thing in your stomach was real? Yeah. You're like, mom, I have a, I have a little man in my tummy. <laughs> you might have been ahead of your time because, you know, they look at uh, bacteria now. I don't, I don't know where I'm going with that. That sounded like I was... What I'm basically saying is, remember, you know, people talk about the... the um, John, you know. Oh, you mean your gut biome. Your gut biome mm -hmm. and how it controls a lot of your personality. Right. And at the very cellular level, I think they might have personalities. I think you might have a little bacteria in there. I would not disagree. Doing things. Maybe they're doing podcasts in there. <laughs> but like their own version. It's probably like... <laughs> it's all like, it's gross. They're like transmitting they're cellular podcasts. Transmitting through membranes. Yes, and, and enzymes and uh, chemicals. Anyway. Uh, yes, yes. But, but I did want to make it clear, like obviously the caveat is that most likely in these circumstances where kids have an imaginary friend, it's usually probably an imaginary friend. Not a demonic spirit or an alien Usually, from Maybe. But we're here to talk about the unusual times. We're getting to the fringe. We're the bleeding edge of the imaginary friend stories. That's yeah. right. Of the imaginary friend theory. Isn't that a good phrase? The bleeding edge. The bleeding edge, yes. I like it. Of imaginary friend research. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of children that have this issue. Yes. I mean, it's, it's yeah. a pretty common thing. Well, that's the thing is, yeah, a lot of kids do. And I feel like... There are multiple things that could be happening. Of course, there's the, they're, I think they're called social beings, which are what psychologists say that kids use them to basically... Um, they're placeholders for social interaction right. or their coping They're a healthy mechanisms. kind of development for kids to grow and interact and see how, like if mom catches you doing something, you're like, oh, well, you know, my friend Timmy did it. Timmy doesn't exist, but he did it. Then it's a way for your kid to experiment with how other people involved in the situation, how your parents might respond to that. Basically, social interaction type stuff. There's also the creative aspect. It's an expression of creativity, sure. strong imagination. Yeah, but there definitely are times where there are, well, first of all, there's hints at past lives, for instance, mm -hmm. when there are, there's information being shared that either it's the past life of the child potentially or a spirit talking to this child where they're given information that they're then repeating to their parent or, or someone, right. teacher, whoever, that there's no way they possibly could know. And it, it makes you scratch your head and think, is there, is there a possible reality to imaginary friends? Right. beyond just the social yeah. being and the imagination. And to John's point, I think a lot of people aren't aware of how common it is to have an imaginary friend. Most kids have one, as a matter of fact, statistically speaking. There was a recent study by the University of Washington. Um, Jerry, would you read this little bit from uh, 
UW. 65% of children report that by the age of seven, they have had an imaginary companion at some point in their lives, according to a new study by University of Washington and University of Oregon psychologists. The study also showed that while preschool girls were more likely to have an imaginary companion, by age seven, boys were just as likely as girls to have one. 27% of the children described an imaginary friend that their parents did not know about. Mm. 57% of the imaginary companions of school-aged youngsters were humans, and 41% were animals. One companion was a human capable of transforming herself into any animal the child wanted. Not all imaginary companions are friendly. The number were quite uncontrollable, and some were a nuisance. Imaginary companions have had a bad rap from psychologists for a long time, and there was the perception that parents were getting the message that having an imaginary companion wasn't healthy. But this study shows that nearly two-thirds of children have them, and the striking fact is that children of all personality styles have imaginary companions. Right. Yeah. That's the basic cut-and-dry yeah. disclaimer. Right. I wanted to make that clear initially because we have a lot of parents listening. I don't want it to be like a fearful thing. Like if you have an imaginary friend, it's probably a great thing. But you, they do advise, you know, if your child's behavior changes, mm-hmm. talk to your pediatrician, et cetera, et cetera. At like some in point, a negative maybe, way, yeah. maybe a priest, an exorcist, <laughs> depending on how far it goes. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm sure the pediatrician's going straight to the exorcist. <laughs> but on that note, let's look into the stranger side of imaginary friends. Let's hear some tales of the bizarre nature of the invisible ones. Let's do it. So we have stories from a few different sources we've got. Yeah, where did you get these stories? I know this had to be a hard one to research. It was. I wanted to start uh, with something. Later in the episode, we're going to be doing a pretty in-depth story from a listener. that wrote And I almost included on on the listener stories episode. And I thought, I wanted to do the Imaginary Friends episode. Let's include it in there. So that's what we're doing today. We'll get to that in the second part of the episode. That is a freaky, freaky story. Pretty freaky. Like the way that he describes his imaginary friends. Yeah. One of them in particular is, is pretty freaky. So yeah, look forward to that. So to start off, I'm just going to do some anecdotal, very anecdotal, but fascinating accounts from online, from people who've submitted their accounts of strange and creepy interactions with imaginary friends, either their imaginary friend or their child's. So there are sources online you can find. I'll have links to all these places. Um, of course, Ranker, places like that have it. But I went back to the sources like Reddit where they pulled these and tried to look at the backgrounds of these posters and make sure that they're not just posting fiction things. Right, they're not. Yeah, not. from what I could see, they were posting things about, you know, automobiles, you know, what they thought about the current state of so politics these aren't, or whatever. these weren't budding authors like, right. posting. Yeah, it wasn't on No Sleep or one of those. And there's rings of commonality between these, which I think points to more likelihood of factuality. Ooh, is that a word? Yes, sure. So, I've, John, I've got you reading this first one here. These first few... I've kind of put in a category called inherited friends. Hmm. Okay, ready? Let's do it. This comes from Stardust and Lus. When I was little, I claimed to have an imaginary friend who had light brown hair and wore a nightgown, and she had stars for eyes. Well, my niece was living at my old childhood home, and she told me that she is a friend who misses me, and she asked why I went away. When I asked who, she described my old imaginary friend. It was super spooky. That's weird. Yeah. I wonder if she said stars for eyes. Because mm-hmm. that's a freaky... Pretty specific detail. Yeah, that would, that would terrify Glowing me. Glowing light. Yeah, that story, super creepy, obviously, because she leaves. And then, who was it? Her niece? Mm-hmm. Moved into their childhood home. Right. So she, whatever was in that place that she saw as her imaginary friend is still there. Right. And someone replied to her on this post and said that they had a very similar story. This comes from Ygrek. I talked to a boy named Kevin... When I was a child, he came to visit me at my window every night, and we would play in my bedroom. Sometimes he stayed in my house, too, 
instead of going back out the window. I very thoroughly described him to my parents before I grew up and no longer saw him. My brother and his family moved into our childhood home a few years back. Within the first month or so of living in my old bedroom, my three-year-old niece described Kevin to my brother exactly to a T. We've never told her or any other kids about Kevin. Okay. Just another kind of confirmation. I mean, that's something. That's a ghost or a spirit or an entity mm-hmm. claiming to be a Kevin. How else would you describe that? Unless, unless, and there is this kind of other thought too. Oh, I know where you're going. The tulpa right. idea, right? The You conjure an imaginary friend and it lingers. Yeah, the, the possible ability to actually manifest something that does have some form of reality that you completely invented in your own mind. Mm-hmm. It exists outside yourself in a way, even though it was your imagination and, can, and it can exist and interact with other people. I mean, that's a possible... Yeah, I think I would... I mean, it's it's out there. Lean more towards potentially maybe a spirit sort of situation because I'm pretty sure Tulpa's, it takes practice to master that ability to generate something from nothing. It was originally a uh, Tibetan practice, I believe, and then theosophy kind of co-opted it. And now it's something a little bit different Mm -hmm. and it's been popularized in different places. I know there's like an online community of people that refer themselves as Tulpamancers. Right. It's gotten kind of new age. And I think they use, some of them you will use it. They're looked down upon in the community, but they use it to conjure sexual partners in these types of things if you're lonely. so That's fun. Yeah. That's a tip from the bleeful if you're lonely out there. (laughs) Wow. Along with curing hiccups. Carrying hiccups and tapping tulpas. So this next one's for you, Jonathan, where Johnny lives. And this comes to us from LibriBot. My son, then about two or three, used to tell us about his imaginary friend, Johnny, who wore all green, including a green hat. One time we were driving by the cemetery and my son pointed out the window and exclaimed, that's where Johnny lives. He was very little and didn't know what a cemetery was. So we explained to him that no one lives there. It's a place for people who died. That's when he told us that, quote, Johnny was a soldier who died in a place called Nam. Pretty crazy. Weird. If true, pretty crazy. And pretty compelling. I mean, unless he saw like a movie about it. He died in Nam, Dad. He said he didn't watch, he wasn't watching movies. He was like a toddler. Uh, I guess, how was he? Three? Uh, Yeah, two or three. That's Yeah, he wouldn't even pick up on that. Right. And of course... Yeah, we, we can't verify any of this. It's all anecdotal. Right. But there are a lot of common threads. And I bet a lot of you out there have experienced or know people have experienced something like this, stories like yeah. this. Or if you just had your own imaginary friends, and maybe maybe you're second guessing whether they were so imaginary. Right. Yeah. This is kind of like we did the Kids Say the Darkest Things. Remember that episode? Yeah. So, any listeners out there who have had some strange things that the child has told them, uh, feel free to send those in. So they're always interesting. In an upcoming episode, we are going to do a past lives episode. Right. And we had a fantastic speak pipe about that and about what this woman's son said to her and her husband about. Anyway, I won't get into it, but it, it it's shocking the kind of information. But that goes back to the idea that children might be able to tap into information at an early age, whether it's things around them or their own past existence before coming here. Yeah. Yeah, that's always interesting. And I think that's a, a key point to nail home. Nail it. Is the sensitivity of children. You know, I think that is one of the reasons why, you know, you have more experiences by children, especially when they seem to be validated because they are innocent, because they are closer to wherever it was we all come from initially, if you believe in that, Mm -hmm. which I do. Um, Their minds haven't been eroded by societal pressure to not believe in anything other than the material. Right. Their visors are off. That's right. So to speak. But yes, Jeremy, we've got another one here, another anecdotal account. Uh, This is called In the Basement, and this comes to us from Jay Jubjub. Around the age of five... I used to play with toy cars and build tracks in my grandmother's basement, all while talking to some girl named Stephanie, who was my imaginary friend. She had long brown hair, brown eyes, always wore white. 
and she never seemed to leave the basement from what I could remember. But she was really nice to me and always wanted to play with cars too. One day, my family asked me to come upstairs, and when I did, they asked who I was talking to. When I told them her name and gave a description, everyone in my house fell silent and, for lack of a better word, looked like they'd seen a ghost. They told me my uncle used to play with an imaginary girl with that name and description when he was my age, too. Needless to say, I didn't understand it at all at the time and told them she wasn't imaginary. Still, kind of weird to this day, though. And that's sort of the last one I have. It's These are all family-inherited. Okay, yeah, you said this section is called Inherited Friends. Right. Now I know why. Right. These are all passed down either generationally or because of the location. Yeah. They've been adopted by the new tenants. And I think it makes them super compelling because of that corroboration through the family. What icky feeling that would be to have. What icky? I mean, I guess not. I mean, it depends on if you think it's like a negative thing, a negative right. spirit or whatever. Yeah. But unsettling. Okay. So we're going to move away from the family inherited imaginary friends, if you'd like to call them that. And we're going to talk about Purple Mommy. Purple Mommy. Is anyone going to talk about Drop Dead Fred? I was wondering if you'd bring that up. Classic. Oh, yeah. Is that the one with Savage? No, that was uh, Little, Little Monsters. Little Monsters. Drop Dead Fred. Remember great, that? Great yeah. flick. The guy, I think he always wore green, which is kind oh, of Oh, man. We got to drop some clips of that in yeah. there. <laughs> I thought you were dead. Hey, it takes more than a fire truck to stop Drop Dead Fred. Was that creepy at all? Yeah, you know, it's creepy if you think about it, because doesn't he end up, like, dating the little girl later on or something? Don't they have, like, sort of a relationship when he comes back? I don't remember Wasn't that. the little girl That's play, creepy in a different way. Played yeah. by that one actress from Drop Dead Fred. If you guys haven't seen this movie out there, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. I don't know yeah. if it holds up, but it's basically about this little girl as an imaginary friend. Weird, though. It's a weird kind of, like, the guy is weird. It can only exist in, like, the 90s kind of movie, I feel like. Late 80s. Oh, Phoebe Cates. That's that's so weird. She popped up on my... Oh, Gremlins, right? Like a yeah. search clickbait thing yesterday while I was looking at Imaginary Friends. I don't know if that's why. Weird. Oh, Carrie Fisher was in it? It's a black comedy. Check it out. Yeah, weird, weird feeling movies. It's kind of like Beetlejuice in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just instead of being dead, he's imaginary. Right. Anyway, let's get back to our dead or imaginary friends. Shall we? Yeah. He's a ginger. John, <laughs> speaking of colors, will you read Purple Mommy? This comes to us Purple from... Purple Mommy? This comes to us from Professor Dog. Okay. When my son was first learning to talk, he would tell us about something called Purple Mommy. It could be an imaginary friend, but these details are a little bit creepy. Purple Mommy is all purple, with long hair and bright, all-white eyes. At the time, he mixed up purple with black, so he could have meant she was all black. Purple Mommy picks him up at night and turns off the lights. We'd often find my son. What? Yeah. Sorry, that really disturbed me. Picks him up at night and turns off the lights. Mm-hmm. That That's is weird. really creepy. Put him dude. down, purple mommy. That's really creepy. We would often find my son out of his crib in the morning, which would mean him crawling over the railing into the ground at a time when he was barely walking. Definitely found the lights off in his room a few times too, even though he's terrified of the dark. Purple mommy needs a bandage because she has blood everywhere. Okay. What? We're done. <laughs> yeah. We're done, little kid. She has blood everywhere. Purple mommy has no smile, meaning a mouth. Purple mommy can take her head off. Purple mommy really doesn't like daddy. If I was the dad in that house, yeah, we're moving. Are these the things that the child is saying? Yeah. Yeah. Allegedly. That's terrifying. Yeah. 
purple mommy can take off her head? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) He told us all of this stuff for maybe a year or a little more. If we ever asked where she was, he'd always point to the same spot, a corner of the room behind his open closet door. He would also wake up crying every night during this time. Once during a really rough night, my wife went to ask him what's wrong, and his answer was, Purple Mommy won't let me sleep. Horrifying. Purple Mommy is such a creepy name. Dude, yeah, it is. That is the scariest story for yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, so it far. sounds, I mean, it definitely sounds the closest thing to creepypasta, but this is not an uncommon thing. I mean, obviously it's horrifying. Yeah, I don't think there's anything specifically creepypasta about that. Right. It's just, it's just very creepy. Just th- I mean, think about the things in the speak pipe that we will play when we do the, the past life episode yeah. that we, a listener sent in to us. Yeah, exactly. The things that that kid was saying about his real dad. In our listener story later on, when he describes one of his imaginary friends, Hey, Hey, when he describes what he finally gets to see what he looks like. Oh, the story that you're going to do later today. Terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Purple mommy needs a bandits because she has blood everywhere. That's what the hell does that mean? That means get out of your house. It's weird too, because it sounds like this thing is acting in a way, obviously it's terrifying because of the way it looks and, and is, but also is acting in a motherly type position. Right. The fact that she's carrying this thing yeah. and turning the light off and then it, it calls it mommy. Right. So that's really disturbing too. Is it like trying to well, and depending on take your, that uh, role as the motherly right. figure? And it right? could be, I mean, I've heard plenty of ghost stories where it sounded like, a ghost and not necessarily as something demonic, but it, because of its position of being dead, it had some of the horrifying f- aspects of being a dead thing. Mm-hmm. So in this place, wherever it was, for whatever reason it was there, it might not have been necessarily something dark per se, but it looks dark because it is representing itself as dead. Right. All, you know, white eyes, all black, bleeding, maybe stuck sadly in that position, but still wanting to take care of just a, right. just a thought, you know, I don't, I don't like it one bit. No, either way it's creepy. Yeah. Purple mommy. Purple That's what I'm going for is Halloween. That's got to be a, that's going to be a movie someday. Yeah. I can imagine some pretty disturbing looking creature. That'd be a cool short film, actually. Somebody needs to make that happen. Yeah. Do it. Believeful Productions. Looking at you, Simon Von Elg. So this story, I believe, is unique because it involves location. And what do you mean by that? Well, let's find out. Everything is located somewhere. This involves a child instead of being haunted, per se, as you might call it, or might believe it to be. It's a child finding, it's a child almost haunting this imaginary friend, quote unquote. You'll see what I mean. Weird. Okay. Visiting. Chris calls this Spirits of Exploration from Lego Arcus. I used to break into houses as a little kid. I lived in a really rundown part of town with a huge amount of foreclosed and empty houses. So I would pry off the window screens, and if the windows were unlocked, I would crawl inside. I was maybe five or six. Well, in one abandoned house, there was always this young Hispanic girl hanging out in the upstairs bathroom. I would go up there and she would talk to me and we'd play tag and hide and go seek and truth or dare. Her name was Sarah. I don't think she ever told me her last name. She always wore these cut off tank top shirts. I really can't remember what of, but I'm fairly certain they were graphic tees and always these pastel orange spandex shorts. She had a bobbed haircut where the hair was shorter in the back than in the front. She was missing a couple teeth in the front of her mouth. She was a little chubby, especially in the stomach. I'd always invite her home for dinner, but she said she couldn't leave because she had to wait for her mom to come home. I guess it made sense to me at the time, but when I think back, there was nothing in that house, not even silverware in the kitchen drawers. The carpets were all mildewed and it was seriously empty. I don't think she could have really been there. That's a very specific description of the girl he had in there. 
Definitely. And very bizarre that in retrospect, it seemed like no one could have lived in that house. Right. And that she always seemed to have the same clothes on. Right. Or she just had a lot of the exact same kind of outfits. Same shorts anyway, which is possible. And, you know, you don't have a lot of money. And I wonder where it was. It's a good question. Was it like in a city or something? Yeah, it sounds like, I think she said... Rundown part of town. Yeah. With a lot of foreclosed, was it a she? A lot of foreclosed homes. Probably a lot of crack houses. Probably. Candyman. Candyman. That Candyman is such a can. Creepy folklore of the urban inner city mm-hmm. kind of situation. That movie used to haunt me as a kid. Oh, it terrified me. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. I tried to watch it kind of recently and it wasn't as good. Yeah. It's still, still creepy. I, that was definitely, There's definitely some creepy parts. As a in kid, it. it was the scariest movie I'd ever yeah. seen. And I, I wouldn't go in, either. I wouldn't walk in front of mirrors. I would like duck when I went to the bathroom and have all the lights on. It was like kind of like a Bloody Mary type oh, thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Say Candyman in the mirror, what, five times? It was very like visually graphic for a kid. I remember being oh, yeah, just it's horrified. Not it wasn't for kids. Right, by the bloody hook from the hand. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The actor was so good. I forget his name now. His character actor. Oh, he was in X Files a lot. He was oh, in a lot right. of stuff. Candyman. Stop it. Candyman. Okay. Moving on. Yeah, I don't Candy think you need a mirror. Man. No, I don't do it in my house. Okay, I guess it's a movie. Yeah. Just, just don't do the Bloody Mary. I would never do that. <laughs> On to the next. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sintite. This one's called Brawn Underpants Girl by Johnny Psychotic. Okie <laughs> dokie. <laughs> Are we ready? These all come from Reddit, right? These specifically, yeah. When I was between three and six, I had three imaginary friends. Two who were the usual little kid stuff. They were invisible and friendly, and I only heard them in my head. My third friend, she was not invisible. I could see her. I called her bra and underpants girl because that's all she had on. Oh, that's creepy. I can still see her in my mind clear as day. She looked almost black and white, like black lacy underwear contrast with pale skin and what I always thought was dirt around her frazzled blonde hair. I can't even wrap my head around how I had even been able to come up with a friend like that at three. While my other two friends were nice, she wasn't. She wasn't mean, just really sad constantly if asked where she lived she'd say those woods woods. and point to the forest behind my house i'd tell her she could stay in my house but she'd just say i can't it wasn't a big deal when i stopped seeing her either do you think it was something more yeah i do that's really sad i know it almost like i don't know it seems like abuse or something sounds like someone who was i mean if it's real Someone who maybe died was mm-hmm. in a yeah. old, unfortunate in a in the situation. Woods. Yeah. There is, we almost did for this episode, Psychic Solving Crimes, Missing 4 and 1. Right. But what was so what was so weird about that description is one of the psychics in my research was visited by a girl who turned out to be a 20-year-old who was... Had been murdered? Had been murdered by her boyfriend four years earlier. She helped the police find her where she was buried, but the ghost came to her, woke her from her sleep basically haunted her because she needed help but right. she looked very similar she was like translucent black and white looking kind of and just very sad all the time yeah and the same kind of thing just you know looking for that closure it, it sounds so hollywood mm-hmm. cliche but there probably is something to that the idea of like sad to right the wrong cliches are cliches for a reason right yeah okay so let's switch gears and get a little out of the sadness and get into the very bizarre actually this is a story funnily enough i'm not going to say synchronicity because we've been getting some uh, flack from people because we say it too much. <laughs> not everything's synchronous. Right. Or I want to say it, but I'm not going to. But it is bizarre, this coincidence. I'll say it that way. But John, do you remember in the last episode, uh, listener stories, I referenced a story that I couldn't remember, but it was a story, yeah. I, a story I'd heard somewhere about this boy who would look out his window and see these fish-eyed people or something or people that had big heads. I couldn't remember the details. 
but he would only see them at night, but they would go around the neighborhood and do regular people things. Yeah, you referred to him as like smashed head people or you couldn't remember. Yeah, I couldn't remember the details, but I thought it was such an interesting story. And what are the chances that when I was sitting down, taking a break from researching this stuff last night, imaginary friend stuff, I was just like burned out and feeling not great. And I looked over, I just pulled this book off of the bookshelf. Yeah. And then I grabbed the book from you because I was looking for a new topic for the expansion episode. And I flipped through the pages and said, Chris, remember that story you've been looking for? I just opened to the exact page of the story that you had referenced in the last episode that we could not remember what it was. We'd never find that. Anyways, go ahead. Yeah. This story is, I think, fascinating. This story is special to my heart because of that weird coincidence. This originally comes from a book called Chasing American Monsters, which I had on the shelf by Jason Offutt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great compendium of just weird American monsters yeah. and mysteries. Over 250 creatures, cryptids, and hairy beasts. And it's categorized by state too, which well, is cool. cool. Very handy. And did you look through the Ohio ones? I have in the past. This yeah. one's from Missouri. Missouri. That's right. Yeah. And this story actually was interesting about it is it comes from, I'm assuming the author knew the person that this comes from because it comes from his state. And oh, I checked the index in the back. And the story is cited as a personal interview. So he actually interviewed the guy for this story. So yeah. he must maybe knew him growing up or something. Very cool. But I like the story. It's unique. Um, and not quite, not necessarily an imaginary friend situation, but you could definitely refer to it as... Child seeing something that shouldn't be there. Cool. This is called The Night People. Young Vern Windsor often saw people outside his house at night. From age five to six, Vern would look out his bedroom window in Oric to see people with large, fish-like eyes walking around his yard and sometimes into his neighbors' houses. At the time, this wasn't strange to him. Quote, They were the night people, Vern said plainly. Everyone Vern knew, himself, his family, his friends, lived in the real world during the day. The people he saw outside his bedroom window lived there when the sun went down. Quote, In my mind, we were the day people, and they were the night people. I know that sounds weird, but that's how it seemed. Vern, now an adult living in nearby Liberty, thought the night people were normal. Quote, I'd wake up at night and see these people with big eyes, living a regular life, he said. I could see faces, clothes. They had kids. I do remember the adult mowing the yard, but I thought it was weird because I couldn't hear the mower. Weird. Yeah. He also watched them walk up and down the street, pausing to speak with each other. They seemed like they were talking and interacting normally. Like down home, you just see people talking. When Vern's family moved from Oric to Liberty, he saw the same fish-eyed night people outside his window. Then, one night, he finally made contact. Hello? And never saw them again. The children were playing in the yard next door, and I thought, hey, I might go play with them. What's weird, though, is the last time when I saw them, it seemed like all of a sudden, they seemed to notice that I'd noticed them. One of the adults just looked at me and just realized they see me now. And the next thing I see is it's daylight and I never see them again. Fern had blacked out and came two hours later. If this was real, I probably wasn't perceived as a threat until I decided to come out and play. Weird. Isn't that interesting? That's a cool one. It reminds me of Hildefolk or something. Yeah, it sounds like he was seeing a, a hidden people, people. Like a parallel universe. Exactly. Yeah. But it does seem like they may have noticed. So maybe they're aware of us, but we're not right. aware of them. It almost yeah. sounds like fairies. Right. right. Phalor, yeah. Very interesting. I thought a good one to end on That's before the pretty, break. Pretty good. Very cool. Check out that book, Chasing American Monsters. Definitely a good read. All right, before we go to break, Jer, what's the expansion going to be about? Okay. This is going to be cool, John. You don't know. You don't have any inkling of what the expansion is about, do you? I'd never heard of this. 
I didn't either. I just, I stumbled across it and found that there, there's actually some depth to this that I, at first glance, it didn't seem like there would be. John, have you heard of the dark watchers of the California coast? No. Oh, you're going to like this. The dark watchers of the California coast are essentially giant cloaked phantoms that stand looming among the mists of the Santa Lucia mountains on the California coast. These tall, 10-foot, all-black, darker-than-shadow figures with wide-brimmed hats ah, that hikers... Oh, that sounds super creepy. Dude, and some of them have been seen holding a staff or a cane, a walking stick of some kind, but they don't move. They stand perfectly still, and then when you either stare back at them or make an advance towards them, they vaporize. So there's alleged accounts of this? Yeah, so this, this has been witnessed for, well, at least... There are literary sources going back uh, to John Steinbeck really? and another poet from 1930s. But people are still seeing these things to this day. Are they other dimensional entities? Are they some kind of ancient watchers? Uh, some people make a connection with the... Uh, are they like a cult? Well, the thing is that they would not be human. How to, do you know? To be sure. Well, the accounts, they're giant. The one giant? Thing, they're like what 10 does that foot, mean? 10 7 to 10 feet tall. How close are these people to these... Seeing them, they're generally off in the distance, but it, you could run up to them essentially. How so? How do they know they're ten? Well, feet? it depends. I mean, they're seen at different distances. <laughs> what did you say? I said, so how do they know they're ten feet if they're? Well, I mean, you can gauge by like there's trees nearby, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Ah, okay. Well, we'll get Maybe into they're it. Basket, basketball players part time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they they have uh, definitely some phantasmic kind of attributes to them. But the Spaniards that came to this country, they were settling the area in the 1700s. They called them. Los Vigilantes Oscuros. Literally meaning the Dark Watchers. People make the connection that they've been referenced by the Chumash Indians that have been in that area for 10,000 plus years. And then there's there's a lot of skeptical points to that. But I found right. it a fascinating piece of corroboration that I haven't seen anyone else post. So we'll get into that nice. in the expansion. That might prove the reality of these things existing there for a long, long time. So there's a lot to break into. There's skeptical stuff to review, but I have some interesting, I think, facts to bring up that will challenge the skeptical notion that they're just tricks of the light, illusion, or the broken specter phenomena. Definitely paints a frightful image. Are they watching outward towards the sea, or are they watching inward towards the land? They're described in different ways. Some people are describing them as being gazed at, like they're staring at the hikers or whoever. Some say they're watching over the grounds or the, the hills. Eerie. Very eerie. Yeah, well, the creepiest description I read was that the one that this one woman saw... She describes it as if it was an all-black horse standing up on its hind legs with the help of a staff. Just like this kind of hunching figure. So yeah, very interesting, very specific kind of description. So we'll get into that in the expansion, guys. Cool. It's going to be great. Yeah, look forward to that. So if you want to put some uh, gas in the hole's tank. The Belief Hole tank. <laughs> head on over to beliefhole.com. Hit the subscribe button for the expansion episodes. Yeah, double the episodes. And make your future self happy. Yes! And make us happy. In the process, you get double the content every single time we drop an episode. We've got to have 60 or some episodes up there now. Yeah, tons of content. So yeah, sign up, guys. Get your butts over there and enjoy this awesome curated preview. Be with us. See you after the break. Access granted. Along the California coast sits the stunning and mysterious Santa Lucia mountain range. With the mountain peaks jutting from the sea, this majestic tract of unbroken coastal terrain cradles a variety of wildlife and landscape. From crashing coves and cliffsides to green rolling hills and redwood forests. But among this wild beauty, there have been reports of phantoms. Oh. 
dark looming watchers have allegedly been seen since the arrival of the Spanish in the 1700s and perhaps going back millennia earlier with the native Chumash people. Reported by travelers and locals alike, the accounts remain consistent. Adorned in dark cloaks and wide-brim hats, these black giants of the fog stand motionless and with featureless faces, surveying the crags and cliffs with a haunting, uninterrupted gaze. Should you approach one of these ever-vigilant sentinels, they will simply vanish into the mist that surrounds the secrets of this ancient land. Hello, friends. Thanks for being here. Welcome back. Welcome. I hope you brought your not-so-imaginary friend with you to share in these tales. This story comes directly from one of our dear listeners out there, Andy C. And that's terrifying. It is bizarre. He's kind of struggled whether or not to share the story and where he would share it if he did. It's kind of personal to him. Thank you for entrusting us with it, Andy. Yes. He said it wasn't like a horror film, the way that it played out, but... He said, looking back on these memories, kind of reminds me of the scream memory kind of thing. Like there was this sort of subdued nature mm-hmm. to his feelings or his memories about these, about these events until he started to look back at them years later when his aunt had kind of reignited these memories. And then he said, then it really freaked him out. Yeah. So we're going to tell his tale here. And I call this, it hides its face behind its hair. That's creepy. I'm going to give a little relevant backstory here. My mother is half Native American, and her father is full Native American. His mother is from the Wintu tribe of Redding, California, near Mount Shasta. Which is a paranormal hotspot. It is. And his father is a Yucky Indian. Indians who are originally from Mexico and later Arizona. Anyway, on to my story. According to the family, at around three years old, I started talking about my two imaginary friends, Hey Hey and Belvia. My parents, brothers and aunts, uncles, and two of my older cousins remember this. I recently asked my dad about this whole imaginary friend thing, and he wouldn't say much. I pried, and he said at first, he didn't think anything of it, but then it, quote, got weird. My mom also won't say much about it, but for reasons I'm not entirely clear about, they eventually felt compelled to take me to my grandparents' pastor. Again, they won't tell me much about this, but he supposedly prayed over me and I stopped doing whatever it was that freaked them out. My time with my two friends ended there, too, although I still thought about and talked about them here and there in my childhood, passively, casually, as if remembering any old benign thing. As I got a little older, the unusual and creepy nature of these memories became more apparent to me. I think it hit me around 15, at which point I hadn't thought about them for years. My aunt had brought them up and I was so surprised at the recall of these unusually vivid memories that I couldn't help but obsess about them for probably that entire summer. I searched and searched my memories for any trace of them and found mostly that, scattered traces, blurred and smeared, but also a few really creepy and compelling memories. And so this first memory I'm gonna tell here, he said came back to him in about 2021, so relatively recently, but it seemed to fill in the first meeting with the first of these imaginary friends, Belvia. I had always had this memory of this little Mexican man smoking a cigarette outside a gas station. I was three and he was my size, and I had brought it up again and again to my parents, but they said it was just a dream. But I'm convinced now that it was my first ever interaction with one of these, whatever they were. Back in the late 80s, I think, it was a little more normal to briefly leave your kid in your car to step in at the gas station. 
my dad did it all the time. One time, when I was three, my dad left me in the front seat with the windows down like a dog. <laughs> and I was just chilling when I noticed this little guy staring at me. He was about my size, wearing cowboy boots, Levi's, a buttoned up and tucked in blue and dark blue plaid shirt, and had somewhat shaggy black hair under a cowboy hat. And he was just standing there, staring at me, smoking a cigarette. I was a bit of a punk kid. Alvin the Chipmunk and Bugs Bunny were my major influences on me. And so I blurted, You can't smoke. Why? You're a kid. And so he looked at me and said, If I'm a kid, why do I have a mustache? And so I told him it wasn't real. And he smiled, nodded, and walked away. But that was Belvia. The next time I saw him, he looked exactly the same and dressed the same, but had lost the hat and had grown to be about 5'10". That I hadn't connected those dots makes sense to me because people don't just grow a couple feet in a few days. But whatever these things were, could, and one of them did. That's weird, man. Yeah. So this next part, he goes on to tell the experience where he meets the friend of Velvia, Hey Hey, mm -hmm. and his horrifying experience with that introduction. He only came around the yard at first. We lived in a trailer on at least an acre of land in what I think was Northwest Ocala, Florida. Even though I was only three, my parents let me play outside alone all the time, and he'd be there, hanging out around either the submarine-looking gas tank or the well, which looked like a little shack. He didn't say much, but more seemed to be watching me like a parent or guardian. He was quiet, but there, usually standing with his arms crossed and legs more than a shoulder length apart. Eventually, he brought a friend with him, Hey Hey. Somehow I can't remember the first time I met Hey Hey. When I describe him, you'll understand how this is a bit mind-boggling, but I just don't remember. It's kind of like how I don't remember being told either of their names, but rather only remember that Belvia had introduced them both, which makes sense, as he was the only one that spoke directly to me in what was a scarcely used soft and accented voice. Hey Hey was taller than Belvia, maybe 6'3", while somewhat stooped, which he always was and probably much taller than that at full height, as the stoop started at the waist and continued in a curve to the shoulders. Like Belvia, he wore long sleeve flannel, but unlike Belvia, his shirt was mostly red, wrinkled, untucked, and unbuttoned at the cuffs. I remember his slender wrists, long fingers, and long fingernails. And his pants were olive green, bell-bottom corduroys that hung over the majority of his bare feet, whose nails were also overgrown. His most distinct feature, however, was his long, dark brown hair. It was silky, waist-length in front and back, and completely veiled his face. I repeat to stress the bizarre nature here, you could not see his face, or ears, or even his nose. His hair was all the way around his head, waist-length. Ooh, weird. Yeah. They were there with me a lot, mostly outside of the old trailer we lived in, in the country sometimes at my grandparents' house, and rarely inside. I would play, and they would observe. Every now and then, if I asked them something, maybe Bellevue would answer, maybe not. And at least once, but maybe twice, they took me to visit, quote, family. These were all, in hindsight, Indians, male and female, 
all half a dozen or so, around 40, all living together in a plain white house, in what looked and felt like a desert. I remember we got there by Belvia asking if I wanted to go, me saying yes, him bending down and picking me up and then carrying me inside what was a little shed that housed the well, whose doorway simply became the doorway to the house. Now, as far as the memories themselves go, only one in particular really stands out in clarity in comparison to what are almost fragments of mostly forgotten non-events that sort of blend themselves into one big blur of hey hey Belvianness. But this one particular memory that I remember like you remember running from a dangerous dog on the attack, or from the thunder of a nearby lightning strike, anything traumatic. This is when, once again, I wanted to see hey hey's face, and said so, and he actually showed me. I always felt like he was just being shy and wondered why. We were like family after all, so what was the big deal? So as I was playing on or around this wooden picnic table we had out there, I asked if I could see his face. He was, as usual, standing right beside Belvia, and they were both between me and the house. Every time I'd asked him before, he had shaken his head no, and this time was no different. It was dumb. What was the big deal? Reach up and part your hair and be done with it. I basically started shit-talking him to Belvia in a punky three-year-old sort of way. Come on, show me. Don't be a baby. Belvia didn't say anything, but smiled, as if what I was doing was funny or made him nervous. At the time, I thought I was being funny. Hey, hey, leaned over and whispered something into Belvia's ear, who chuckled and nodded and said something I either couldn't understand or don't remember. I'm pretty sure they spoke another language, but I couldn't guess what. Maybe Spanish, as Belvia is a Spanish girl name but I don't know. I just remember feeling kind of awkward shortly after, as I squinted in the sun and they stared at me. Then, Hey Hey bent down and got on one knee and beckoned me over. I headed over and he reached out and grabbed my arm just above the elbow, and I just stared at his hair. His head was bent forward. He raised his head, raised the arm that wasn't grabbing me, and stuck his fingers through his hair and pulled to one side. There, completely black eyes with red rings for pupils, a total lack of expression in a long, gaunt face, perfectly straight top and bottom rows of sharp, brownish teeth with black edges in gray gums. His face wasn't smiling, but it wasn't not. His mouth was just kind of agape. To me now, when I think back, his whole look is of someone long dead. It was brief, my seeing his face, and I never asked to see it again. I don't remember exactly what happened after that. I do remember feeling sad, as if I had just realized that they were more friends with each other than they were with me. The way Belvia laughed before Hey Hey showed me bothered me more than Hey Hey's face, which I only find unsettling in retrospect. The face terrifies me now, when I think of it, but it didn't bother me at all at the time. Maybe they somehow deliberately replaced one feeling with another. Because I know me. I was a scaredy cat. I would have cried. Love the show, Andy. Wow. <sighs> yeah. That's intense. Pretty horrifying. Even for imaginary friends, quote unquote. You're right. It's interesting that it didn't phase him at the time. Like the face didn't bother him. It was the that he was left out of their conversation and then never saw them again. Very creepy. Yeah. I could just see these things drawn, especially Hey Hey. Oh, yeah. with that long arcing back? Hunched over six foot something. Right, from the waist all the way to the shoulders, hunched. Hair hanging down in the front. Sounds like a 
almost like a Japanese horror figure. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of Elden Ring. Super creepy. Yes. Very, very creepy. Thanks for sharing that. Yes. Thank you very much. I, I did want to say, uh, and by the way, we will have eventually the archive up and have these stories because there's some- Listener archive? Listener stories yes, Strange Listener Stories archive because there's aspects to his story and corroborative accounts that happen in the family that we're not going to get into today, but we'll have them in the, in the um, archive. So definitely check those out. Some pretty bizarre, horrifying things involving black portals, dead women in the ceiling. Oh, the rest of his... Yeah, every time he brings up Hey Hey later on, it all, it's almost like a Kruger-esque sort of thing where Hey Hey invades the dreams of the people that he mentions them to. Oh, weird. Really fascinating. Okay, so we'll have that on the... We'll have in the yeah, maybe, maybe another Listener Stories episode, maybe we can get into it a little bit. But I did want to say what's interesting, and going back to the inherited friends thing, this is interesting. He said, quote, My mother had several imaginary friends that she says were Indians and that she called her witch friends. One in particular was her favorite and was called her witch friend singular, while the others were its witch friends, plural. The one, this one, was Hey Hey. So her mother had the same imaginary friend. That's bizarre. Uh, but she didn't know its name, but it was by description the same with the hair and everything. However, she's never described its clothes to me, and she never saw its face either. In fact, every time I've pried for info, she's frustratingly reluctant to tell me anything. The most she'll say is a rehash of one single story she ever told me, which was when she first saw it. Her brother was pretty sick with a fever, had woken up crying, and she saw Hey Hey leaning over his cradle, staring at him. She felt he was evil then, and maybe every time afterward, but she never said. She has said that she had them in her life much longer than I did mine. Okay, that's really weird. Isn't that creepy? Yeah. So definitely, I mean, if that's true, that's definitely not an imaginary friend. Yeah, it goes on and on with her alleged, her father, his grandfather. That's debatable. She's gone back and forth on that. But we'll have his whole account in the in the archive. But yeah, pretty interesting. But yeah, I, this is such a fascinating aspect with the hereditary aspect. Mm -hmm. And also that one key thing I thought was kind of interesting. If you believe that this story was an account of something, whether it's spirit or whatever, the well. Mm -hmm. This reminds me of the stories of the water connection again, right? Taking someone to water to see those on the other side. Yeah. Or, or near-death experiences. Because that's where they live, their family, right? The Belvia and Hayes family lived. Yeah. Well, the, they went into the shack where the well was to take them to this white house in the desert where all their family lived. Right. Which may, maybe ancestors, who knows? Interesting. There was another story that I won't get into now, but it involved again a waterbed where his brother had an encounter with Hey Hey and he was on the, it was a nightmare where he was on the waterbed in, his, in their grandparents' 90s version of their home, and his face was pulled towards the doorway as he was lying on the waterbed, like our last episode with all the waterbed connections, like our experiences, uh, and his head was pulled towards the doorway, and in the doorway was Hey Hey. Ugh. This is years later. It's like every time he brings it up to someone in the family, they get a visit. It's interesting. Don't talk about him. Yeah. There'll be more in the notes, but um, yeah, definitely interesting. Yeah, thank you for that story, Andy. Terrifying. He did find something interesting doing his own research. The yucky. Indians uh -huh. were the same language family as the Aztecs, and there's a connection with Hey Hey. There is an entity, an Aztec god known as Weiwei, Quattle. Oh, really? And this god translates to old, old, or ancient. He was a shape-shifting trickster that took the form of a coyote and usually hung out with at least one friend. That sounds about right. Isn't that interesting? He's not saying Hey Hey was him, but it's an interesting connection. Right, yeah, definitely. Fascinating stuff. Huh. Yeah. Does that mean we're going to see Hey Hey tonight? I hope not. Hey, hey. Stay away, hey, hey. Hey, nani, nani. <laughs> Guys, we have something so special for you. Yes, we do. This is our first collaborative product. 
Oh, Ruddy okay. man grooming. Yes. Beard balm. Do you guys have beards out there? You got husbands with beards? Yes. You got babies with beards? Dads with beards? Babies with beards. Come on. Men's hair. <laughs> you know men with hair. <laughs> or if you're a lady and you like to smell nice. Previewing. Night Stalker. Night Stalker. We've done a cool collaborative project. Yes, it's Dogman themed beard oil. Beard products. That's right. With Ruddy Man Grooming, an awesome fellow. Listener of the show, terrific guy, family man. This is uh, 100% USA made. Uh, what is he, North Carolina? Yes. Yes. I believe. Yeah, it makes amazing products. They're all beardly products for your beardly needs. So how would you describe this, this Night Stalker scent? That's a good question. It is the perfect scent for uh, your manly musk. I'll put it that way. Yes, the official scent profile is... Earthy forest, vanilla tobacco, and cryptid cool. Yes! That's awesome. Seriously smells awesome. Yeah, it's great. And it looks fantastic. I believe Jimmy's wife does the, Ruddy Man's wife does the artwork, and it is awesome. It's super slick. Father's Day is coming up. That's right. Birthdays are coming up. You want them to smell good? Yeah, if you want your, your partner in crime to not <laughs> smell stinky. Or yourself, if you are or buying yourself. for yourself. That's true. Be selfish this Father's Day, fathers. We got to pick it out. We got to, yeah. that was the coolest part. He sent us all these different profiles and we got to custom craft the scent. We got to curate the scent profile. It does smell awesome. Yeah. It is belief hole certified. If you want to smell like us in a good way, <laughs> then get Night Stalker. It's a great way to support the show. It's a great way to support Ruddy Man. And we're going to leave a code for you in the show notes, 15% off. That's right. It helps the show. It helps us grow. And it also helps Ruddy, who is an awesome dude. Yes. Make sure you use the code BELIEFUL, all lowercase, one word. And we'll leave all that information on the link to get there right. and all that stuff in the show notes. So go check it out. We're super excited about this and you should be too. Yeah, I'm smelling it right now and it just makes me smile every time I smell it. It seriously smells so good. We'll kind of be talking about it a little more as the show goes on, just mentioning it here and there, but this is the official launch. Yeah, so we just wanted to get this out there to you guys as soon as it's available, which will be as of today, as of this episode release. So definitely check the link in the show notes, check it out. It looks awesome. It smells freaking incredible. It feels great on the face. It looks cool. You got a dog man there with cool shades, very retro 80s, much like our vibe of the show. So you know you want it. Come and get it. Come get it. Check it out. All right, guys. Let's do, what do we got? One more story? Yes. Back to the imaginary friends who awesome. are maybe not so imaginary. We have a classic tale here. One of my favorites that I heard years ago on the beloved and renowned Art Bell, Coast to Coast. Ghost to Ghost, I believe. Wasn't it a mm -hmm. Ghost to Ghost here? Yeah. For those of you who know Art Bell, you'll know that he did every Halloween a segment called Ghost to Ghost. From the high desert in the great American Southwest, Ghost to Ghost AM. <laughs> and it's fantastic. So many legendary stories have been preserved there. And uh, we'll have a link in the show notes where you can find more of these online. But this is one, one of my favorites. And it always stuck out to me. And it fits perfectly with this episode. And I called it Irving's Box of Bones. Ooh. Here we go. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello? Yes, hello. Oh, it's me. Um, only you'd know that for certain, but it sounds like you. Hi, Art. Hi. <laughs> uh, I have a ghost story. All right. Where are you? I'm in Texas. Austin. Texas. Austin. Right. Oh. But the resident ghost was living with me on Long Island. My son was about three or so. We had a pull-down attic door, and he wanted the Jeep I had hidden for him for Christmas yes. up there. And I said, how do you know what's up there? He said, well, Irving takes me up there. And I said, who's Irving? He says, he visits me at night. 
And I said, well, how do you get up in the attic? Does he pull the door down? And he said, no, we float up through the ceiling. Through the ceiling? Through the ceiling. And uh, in days to come, Irving had taken him to where Irving lives, which is, was a box of bones in the ground. In days to come, we had an occasion to walk through the community cemetery to see the Memorial Day Parade. And as we're walking through the cemetery, he (laughs) pulls at me, he says, Mommy, Mommy, there's where Irving lives. And I go over to where he showed me, and it was Irving Riggs. The gravestone. You mean it said it right there? It said it right there on the gravestone. Now, there was a question earlier this evening... You said to somebody, does this child see the person? Yes, yes, oh yes. Well, I have that answer for you. And it is? Well, I worked for years with a girl whose maiden name was Riggs. So I told her, I said, do you have any ancestors by the name of Irving? She says, yes, a great-grandfather. <laughs> so I told her the story. In quite a few years to come then, she said her aunt had died, and uh, she went over to help her clear the attic out. And a picture fell out of a box she was carrying down from the attic, and she asked her other aunt, who was this? And her other aunt said, that's your great-grandfather Irving. So she gave me the picture, and now my son's in his teens, and he hasn't seen Irving, and Irving has just turned water on, and we always say, oh, it's Irving. Things have fallen off the wall, there's footsteps. So when I came home from work and I put the picture on the bulletin board by the phone my son comes running in from work or something and he grabs the phone to call his girlfriend and he stops short he hangs the phone up he says mommy where did you get that picture who's that picture of i said i don't know i said who does it look like he said remember that guy who used to come visit me oh night? man <laughs> oh, God. so there's not much question about the fact that at least in your son's case, he sure saw Irving. And Irving was a real person, a real ghost. <laughs> oh, we, man, what a story. We put a face to Irving. Better face than bones. <laughs> All right, my dear, thank you. Thank you so much. All right, oh, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that one. <laughs> that's creepy, great. creepy stuff. That's funny. It just, I mean, that's if that happened to you, you'd be like, that's 100% proof. Yeah. Well, it goes back to the story we did about Johnny, where he, the parents were taken by the cemetery, and he's like, that's where Johnny lives. Mm-hmm. He was a soldier in a place called Nam. It, it's freaky in a sense if you think about if he took the kid to where he lives, which is a box in the ground, and mm-hmm. he's a ghost. I mean, yeah. how long is he going to be there? Like, right. when you die, is, is there a chance that you might get stuck in your grave for a little bit? Like oh. the Frighteners? Sounds like you get recessed, though. You had to go visit children nearby. I mean, I would think that would be a temporary thing while yeah. you're figuring stuff out. Yeah. You know, I'm sure. That's what I choose we to We don't believe. see Neanderthal ghosts hanging around. That's true. That's true. They've, they've figured it out by then. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> they figured it out by then. <laughs> well, we hope you guys enjoyed this, sort of our first entrance into the mind of the child in the respect... <laughs> the mind of the child. In the res- this unscripted show. In the respect of imaginary friends and what their experiences yeah. are with these, quote, imaginary friends. And is there a reality to these friends at all? A and deep I th- reality. Yeah. I think there is. I think there are certain cases where this is true. I mean, we talk about this all the time, but kids just have that ability to see... They're untainted. We've mm-hmm. already mentioned this. But no, but you're right. Yeah. It's worth mentioning again. They're unfiltered. 
None of us have kids, but it does seem to be the case. <laughs> right. That is the way. But you yeah, have. I mean, everyone has been around children, though. Yes. We've all been them. They're just so innocent, and they, they don't understand what's real or what's not real. Right. You know, society hasn't formed those hard edges against the reality. Exactly. Right. Yeah, definitely true. So if you guys out there have your own stories like Andy's today, which was excellent. Um, if you guys have your own accounts. Or if your kids say freaky things to you, let right. us know. Because we may do another Kids Say the Darkest Things episode, which we've done in the past. Which yes, is fun. that'd be fun. We had a story that someone sent in about their kid that like, were you going to say that I mentioned that it a one? couple times okay. today. Uh, you did? <laughs> yeah, did. Specifically life. about, yeah, about the past mm-hmm. life. Oh, <laughs> I was here you're the busy. whole time. You're on your phone. I was pretty good the most of the time today. <laughs> we will do her story because it is. Yeah, it's a good one. Really, really good. Uh, that's a topic that's been on the docket for a while anyway. Past topic lives. that's been on the docket. The docket we got topic. some people to thank, I believe. We do. We do. Thank you guys so much. First of all, thanks to everyone here who's just listening. Just thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for on the show. If you haven't signed up to an expansion member or if you can't afford it right now, we understand times are tough, but go leave reviews if you can, anywhere you can. Whatever you do to help spread the whole really does help. Reviews help hugely. iTunes reviews, whatever you can do. If you're on YouTube, hit the like button for us. Yeah. Click that bell notification so you get notified when we drop stuff. And uh, tell your friends, tell your family, share stuff. We, we sincerely appreciate it. Thank yeah. you so much to everybody who does that. Um, and a special thank you to our members of the whole. These are the black-eyed cool kids of the Bleef Hole. Welcome to the whole Lisa Farmer. Ooh, welcome. Farmer. Welcome to be here, Lisa. Another member that needs thanked is Stacy Andres. Thank you, Stacy. Stacy in the house. For coming to our space. Welcome to be here. Uh, Joshua LaRue. Ooh, LaRue. Welcome, Joshua. Welcome, welcome, sir. Thank you to be here. Welcome to Annie. Annie. All right. Awesome. Welcome in. What's up, Annie? Annie, get your beliefful expansion. Oh, my God. Everyone. (laughs) Jason. (laughs) Voorhees. Or just Jason. Jason. Stay (laughs) thumb. Welcome, Jason. Thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting us, David. David. David is here. Welcome in, David. Our father's name is David. That's true. We Nick love you. Vera is here. All right. Nick Vera doesn't care. Gonna, gonna dare ya. Good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jeff Wilson, welcome to the whole. All right, son of Will. Welcome, Thank Jeff. Thank you so much for your support. Ooh. Jeff, love you, buddy. Trevor Robertson, finally. Trevor. Uh, Trevor. Oh, Trevor, we love you. Nice, son of Robert. Great guy. Thanks for being here. Yes. Kate Wojkowski. Woodgy, Woodgy, Woodgy. Kate Wojkowski. That is an awesome name. Would you could you become an expansion member? Thank you for being here. Thank you. Yes. Jenna Sullins. Ooh. Jenna. I'm less sullen now that Jenna's in the hole. Frenna. Brenna. <laughs> Good contribution. Bob Torres. Bob is Torres. Here. Come on down, Bobby. Bob the Bull. Bob the Bull. Welcome to be here, Bob. Yes. yes. Good to see your face. Good to hear your voice. Yeah, we don't hear see your, your name. Face. Good to hear your name. Kim. Hi, Kim. Hi, uh, Kim. Thank you for supporting the show. Kimothy. Your name backward is Mick, but it's not Kimothy. <laughs> That's not her full <laughs> <Kimothy>. name. <laughs> thank you, Kim. <laughs> Daniel Schmucker. 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 <laughs> that is a fun <laughs> this is hard. One. This is very hard sometimes. Welcome, Daniel. Daniel Schmucker. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank we you appreciate for it. Really do. Sincerely. God bless you, sir. You're gold to us. Lisa Farmer. 
All right. All right. Ooh, I feel like pronouncing you and your sister's name very badly. Oh, sisters. It's definitely yes. the same. It's going to be mother, daughter, or aunt and That's niece. That's true. It doesn't have to be sisters. <laughs> Cousins, even. Well, they're related, most likely. <laughs> but sorry for your name pronunciation. Welcome yes. into the We hole. appreciate you both being with us That's on right. this lovely summer day. Yes. Jessica Backman. Ooh, back again. Welcome, Jessica. Welcome to be here. Hi, Jessica. Thank you. So good to have you. Yes. <laughs> the is here. The? Welcome, the. No. <laughs> like that. Yes. That's an article. <laughs> the. Please awesome. tell me that's a typo and they'll never know that we're saying their uh, their name. I hope not. I like um, they know. You're you're appreciated, the. Yes. Yeah. Their email ends with 35. So All right. Maybe that'll help them. Thank you, the. Thank you, the. It's yes. great to have you. Jessica Stewart. Yes. All right. Jessica Stewart, you are a good person. You're steward of the whole. Yes. Josh Jones with a smiley smirk on his face. Ooh. He actually sent a picture in. Thank you, Jeff. All right. Oh yeah, you uh, guys can do that if you want us. You want to let us know what you look like, yeah. Yeah. and we'll make comments about it on the we'll show. Judge you. <laughs> He's a handsome fellow. He's a handsome fellow. We'll, we'll judge you nicely because we are nice. That's, that's true. People. Christy Pember. Christy Ooh, Pember. That's a fun one. Fun in September and yes. December. Christy Pember. What about November? Eh. I don't know. I haven't heard, but she's pretty awesome. And finally, Danielle Davis. Danielle Ooh. Davis is my favorite. Next to everyone else. Yes. Welcome, Danielle. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, Danielle. Thank you for your support, and thank you for everyone who has become a member to help support the yes. show. Yes. And if you haven't heard your name yet, but you did sign up, don't worry. We'll get to you. Down don't worry. Road. You have been forgotten. <laughs> no, you will. You will be heard. Yes. I think we're working our way through the backlog. Mm-hmm. We're getting there. And now that we, for people who are about to sign up, sign up for the Black Eyed Cool Kids membership level if you want your name read. That's right. Yes. We're getting through the backlog of the old ones, but if you want to get your name read and hear your awesome name <laughs> on the show. almost awesome voices. That's it's right. It's Black Eyed Cool Kids. Yes. Mm-hmm. And thank you, just thank you to everybody who's yeah. been so supportive and, and keeping us going because we are, you know, it's a Poor. full-time job and uh, it's not paying us that yet. It's hard when you're sick. I mean, and we got sick. through it. I am really happy. I the hole must be fed. I thought my throat was going to give up. Feed the hole. No, we love you guys. And we you do. Know, we sincerely we want do. your firstborn. That's all. Mm-hmm. Just your firstborn. Or five to seven bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Whichever you can offer up. But yeah, thanks again. Thank you so much. And um, we hope you guys enjoy the show. Let Absolutely. us know if you've had an experience or if your children or children that you know of or children you've met in playgrounds have told you tales yeah. of people they've seen or things that they've experienced. Or just strange things in general. Just the strange things in general. Strange things they say. Leave a speak pipe. Send in uh, a story. Uh, go to weevil.com. That's where you can become a member and uh, leave your listener stories. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think a couple of people have asked about how to leave a speak pipe. You just go to bleefhole.com and there's a big button to click. Yes. Well, it's not that big. It's Well, it's big enough to see. If you go to the navigation bar, hover over... Oh, it's, you have to go to a navigation menu. I can't remember if Listener Stories is a visit. There's not a big button like the expansion button. No. no. Okay. It is on the site. You might have to do a little bit of digging. If you know how to look at a navigation bar, you'll find uh, yeah. it's under Listener Stories. If you know how to use the internets. Share your stories under, I think, Listener Story. The World Wide Web. Yeah, it's on the internet. But thank you guys so much for sticking around. We love you. Okay. Seriously. And happy Memorial Day. And you guys have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your hours on this day or night. Yes. We'll see you next time. On... Believable. Snoots. 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 
when my phone my phone was surfing and saw I am having a seizure. <laughs> Sounds like a stroke. <laughs> when my sir mo- my phone was having a saw. Nobody knew me. That's what strokes sound like for anyone that wonders. I <laughs> figured that's what you're going for. Okay. Our specific night walker scent. Night walker. With awesome. You mean night stalker? Damn it. Did I say <laughs> night walker earlier too? No, you said stalker. Okay. Say that again, night stalker scent. So how would you describe this, this night walker? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and so he looked at me and said, If I'm a kid, why do I have a mustache? <laughs> That's not good. It's weird. <laughs> Mustache. Okay, let me try it again. But we had to. We had to come in the hole anyway today. Oh, that's rephrase. We had to jump into the hole today. Anyway, regardless mm-hmm. of we our. We had to come into the hole anyways <laughs> today. That's so gross. <laughs> hey, you got to do what you got to do. Got to work right. it. You know. <laughs>